Welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, Life Coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck, and be more confident in your 30s. Welcome to episode number 68 of the podcast. Really crazy to think we're a few episodes away from the 70th. And actually, this is the 10th episode where I have invited a client of mine on to talk about her journey. And as you avid podcast listeners may know, I love these episodes. They're always my favorite ones. I say it time and time again. I just love having clients on the podcast and it really enables me to give you all of an insight about what is possible also for you because although my clients are very very special the most special people in the world they aren't unicorns they're just regular 30 somethings who decided that enough was enough they didn't want to settle anymore they really resonated with my content they wanted their 30s to be the best decade possible and they were ready to turn their life around and the reason I enjoy inviting clients on the podcast so much is because the reason I started it in the first place was that I wanted it to be a platform to showcase real life turning 30 stories and also real life turning 30 transformations. And you know, I'm posting all the time on my Instagram. If you follow me over at Turning 30 Coach, you'll know that I'm always sharing insights from coaching sessions. I'm sharing messages that I receive after my clients have amazing breakthroughs or feel that they had a really transformative session and I obviously also share feedback and testimonials but it's always such a huge difference when you hear it uh, in the client's own words it's really different from when you're reading it on an Instagram and it feels probably curated even though I really do my best to show completely honestly and authentically all of my client feedback but really in the podcast episode today you're going to get the opportunity to hear it from my client's mouth and you get to hear her take on her journey in the past year. And Natalie's story is actually a really special one. I love the fact, as you'll hear in the episode, that she literally used to eye roll when it came to self-help and personal development, something that I also used to do in my 20s. As much as I loved psychology and I always had that, you know, pull towards people and to understand people, the thought of spending money on therapy or coaching or buying self-help books really just felt far away from me. This is exactly the experience that Natalie had when she came to me even only one year ago and now she's had such a transformation. She's such an advocate for investing in yourself and I think it's really interesting to hear how she decided to do that and what led her to her coaching journey. So you'll hear she really stepped up and invested in the group program first and then she continued her journey with one-on-one coaching which actually led her to some really wild transformations that happen in a relatively short space of time and that's why I've called this episode having your best year yet because Natalie after a terrible year of lots of unwanted circumstances came into 2022 with a really new energy because of the fact that she started coaching in the October before the January of that year And she just completely turned it around. I know so many of you will resonate with Natalie turned 30 and had the first two years of her 30s during the pandemic and during the time of the lockdowns. And I think that it's really hard to go through that. And I know lots of my clients and lots of my community uh, shared the same struggles. And when she came out of the other side of it, she really had that feeling that she'd lost those years, which I know many people also felt, myself included. And instead of moping around, even though, as you'll hear, she had many circumstances that could have kept her stuck in victim mode and kept her from stepping up and taking action, she managed to have her best year yet. This episode is full of so much turning 30 goodness because what Nat did is at the core of everything that I stand for. She did the mindset work and stepped up and what she created was a year where she could really come back to herself. She was discovered her authentic self, which led her to solo travel, to really decrease comparison, even when she was bridesmaids so many times over the summer and all her friends were getting married at the same time, she managed to find her own place and find her own happiness within her timelines and within her stories. And she also addressed her fertility worries at this time. But most of all, she just learned so much and has put herself in such a great position now. 
I cannot wait for you to hear the episode. I'm currently recording this on December the 1st, New Month Energy, and I want to remind you all that I only have two spots left for my one-on-one coaching program to start in January. I actually have three. My notes say three, but literally just as I opened my computer to start recording this, I received an email that a new client is signed up and is going ahead, so just two spots left. And if you, like Natalie, really want to create 2023 to be your best year yet, I invite you to work with me. I invite you to go all in on yourself. I run free initial consultation calls. You can book that call via the link in the podcast description. And I just want to say that if you're done sitting around and waiting for things to change, and if you're ready to have a big shift and you resonate with the topics in this episode, then I think this could be an amazing next step for you. So let's dive into the episode. Hi, Nat, and welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast. Hi, Emma. Can you believe that in the one year that we have known each other, this is the second time you're being a guest on the podcast? I know, right? You just can't get enough from me. <laughs> it's <laughs> I love very coming true. on your podcast. It's funny because I started like doing coaching with you because I like listen to all your podcasts. So I think that, you know what, if I can help a girl like me, who sat there in her car listening in in the traffic to these podcasts, then why not? Amazing. So yeah, well, that's a great place to start because what I was going to ask first is for you to share with the listeners what led you, obviously it was the podcast, but where were you in your life? Let's, Let's go back to, I say, 15 months ago. So a few months before that you discovered turning 30 and you discovered coaching and decided to invest what was going on in your life back then well we just come out of the pandemic I had a really really rough year my dad was in intensive care for coronavirus he was ill for about 18 days and we didn't know whether he was going to make it and I also got really bad coronavirus as well ended up in within hospital with pneumonia on the corona ward so it was a really dark time and I really felt lost and then we came out of the pandemic and I had I think I had five weddings in one week I had three weddings in one week and my dad's 70th so I went to I went to a double Indian wedding and then I went that was in in Cheshire and then I went up to the Lake District to Windermere I went to another wedding and then I went all the way down to the south to Sandbanks to my dad's 70th and that was just in one week Um, and I think I threw in like a spa trip in between that as well and we hadn't done anything for like two years and all of a sudden I was like wow like life's back I'm socializing with like hundreds of people again but I felt like it was the start of like me just chasing myself basically Mm. and that's how that summer sort of was just loads and loads loads of plans but not really feeling happy and fulfilled and just feeling a bit like I didn't know I felt like I was a bit like a deer in headlights and I didn't really know where my place was in all of this and then throw a few shitty dates into the mix and guys and I basically just melted in October 2021 burst into tears and it was my cousin actually and she said you know what you know I listen to these podcasts turning 30 you should really get onto them Emma's great and I started to listen to you and I was like wow there's like somebody that is like literally having a parallel life to me she's got loads of people who are like massive expanders and you know there is people out there that feel the same Um, and that's when I reached out to you because I felt like I can't continue in this spiral and I need to see what it is that I want out of my 30 and like decade basically because I was just turned 31. 30 was sat in the house doing the pandemic stuff. So I feel like we were suppressed. So 31 was really my turning 30. Yeah, and I know so many of my clients and I'm sure so many people listening had the same thing when they turned 30 or 31, 32 in the middle of pandemic. And I don't believe that we, we should call it you lost those years, but there was something about having those years of your life that were delayed. And I think that what happened is what happened to a lot of people that we, is like the whiplash of going from the lockdown and being alone and having to be in that space and then coming back out. And like you said, you were chasing yourself. 
So I think it's really interesting. And, and I want to ask you, were you worried about your age at that point? Was it connect the way that you felt? Was it connected to your age? A hundred percent. I felt like my friendship circle have all got really long standing relationships. Um, quite a few of them had got engaged or a couple of them were getting married. Um, and I felt like they were all in the next chapter and I was still waiting at the crossroads, but I felt at the crossroads, I just knew that I had so much more growth to go through and that even though I was like at the age that I was ready, I hadn't like done any work to be ready for what I wanted. But at the time I was like, I remember when I spoke to you and I was thinking like, okay, so I'm going to do a bit of coaching and then like tomorrow I'm going to meet the love of my life. Right? <laughs> um, and I mean, it has been quite the journey and there's been ups and downs. There's been romances. There's been loads. There's been, but yeah, it, I'm still very much on a path. <laughs> yeah. But I think what's really interesting is that, and I wanted to ask you, the next question was going to be before you came across me and you signed up for the, for the program, had you ever done any of this work before? Had you ever been coached before? Because I think a lot of people listening who are like you, who come across the podcast, were probably exactly like you a year ago or a year and a half ago. And, and it was a whole new world for them. And I wanted to ask you, and you even just said it, like your perception of it was like, I just sign up to a program and then the magic wand will come and I'll just be fixed and I'll meet the love of my life tomorrow. So <laughs> how was that for you to even think about the world of life coaching? Was it something you knew about? Was it something you had explored before? Uh, to be honest, I felt really uncomfortable about it. The thought of having to open up to like, I think there was about eight of us in our group. I found it a bit cringe at the beginning thinking that I was going to have to like talk. and But I was in such a dark place and I felt like I was dipping my toe into life coaching because it was not as intense because there was other people and you only really had to talk for like 10 minutes out of the whole hour you know you could listen to what other people were talking about as well and I think to be honest I didn't know what it was that I wanted to talk about until I delved into it and then it took a few months and then I would say after you know I did the coaching program and then we did our own coaching because I was like wow like I I feel so much clearer and better I can't possibly let Emma go so then we've continued I think it was March that one ended, wasn't it? And then yeah. until, you know, like the other week. And, you know, I'm not to say that I wouldn't continue coaching again, but I feel like at the moment, I feel like I'm good and I've got to where I need to be to in terms of this stage. But I, I just think it's great. I, I just, yeah. So let's flash forward and then we'll kind of go back and connect the dots because we're calling this episode, you know, how to have your best year. And because that's what happened to you, you had this really dark time and you were in a really bad place and you decided because you said you just got to the point of like, okay, I need to make a really big change. And then you signed up for the coaching and then you had a few months and then lots of things started to change up until 2022. And then you had this year, which as you're going to explain, was full of travel and loads of weddings, even more weddings and <laughs> lots of other things. So can you just tell us a bit about, I guess, the results or what's come through for you since doing the programs, since, you know, you've done group and obviously one-on-one, -on -one, but what, what's the past year been like for you? It's been fantastic. So I started, so we did all, all the uh, group coaching um, that started in November last year. I think it was like the 28th of November. God, there was, so we started the coaching then literally within like a week, I met this guy and I was basically dating him for the entire time of our coaching program but I thought that I'd met the love of my life and he was going to be like my husband and we're going to live happy ever after but actually he was just an expander and an example showing me how I show up in relationships and how I am and we we had it was perfect because I really fell for him so we had chance to talk not only just you and I but as a group about how I am and like what it is so basically I realized that I do get a bit anxious but you know it's okay to sort of ask questions and when you do get red flags they are red flags waving at you and that is a, a sign to just 
get the fuck out of there and don't ignore it and just because you think somebody sounds great on paper sometimes you do get to know them over the course of four months and you know that's called dating and they turn out not to be what you want so that all ended um, and there were tears and I was really upset and I was like, oh my God, doom, gloom, boom. And then I had a bridesmaid trip to Barbados. I was going to Barbados the week after me and this guy ended and my sister had actually just had a little boy as well. So I found that hugely triggering because I was like, right, I'm now back to square one. It's gone tits up with the guy. My sister's had her second child. She's happily married and I want that. And I'm going to Barbados on holiday by myself to go and be a bridesmaid. And I'm going to have the most awful time. Anyway, flash forward a week. I had the best week of my life. I got on the aeroplane. I met a really fit guy on the aeroplane. Um, and we were having um drinks together. And he was like, you know, you're really fun. I'm here traveling alone. You know, it'd be really great to hang out. So the days that I didn't have anything on with the wedding, I hung out with the guy from the plane and we went for dinner together. And it ended up just being a friendship, me and this guy. But it was still like, wow, like you can just meet people organically. And I guess it was probably the first time that had happened in like a couple of years because you know, when we were in the pandemic, we were not even allowed to talk to people on the next table to us or, you know, let alone sit next to somebody hottie on the aeroplane. So yes, that was that. And I literally said to you, didn't I, that I came back and I felt like I'd something had changed. Like I wrote in my journal on the aeroplane, like how nervous I was and how I was going to have such a scary time. And I came back and I was like, oh my God, what a difference we can make and I felt liberated and that was the start of like my solo traveling then because then I thought right well I've been to Barbados by myself albeit I was going to an organized wedding but I still stayed in a hotel by myself and had to get myself to and from the wedding parties and and you know have breakfast by myself so I decided to book a fitness retreat so I went on a fitness retreat in Crete which was I think I went there in like May time or beginning of June and I just booked that on a whim um, and that was amazing I'd never been to Greece before uh, so that was great to tick that off the list and I arrived in Crete and prior to Crete I'd had like another meltdown basically since my sister had the baby I'd basically decided that I want a baby and I basically became obsessed with fertility. So I went to my brother and his girlfriend's baby shower and one of my mum's friends thought it was appropriate for her to tell me that, you know, she thinks that, you know, if I if I want to have children in the future, given my current circumstances, bearing in mind I was just 31, that, you know, it would be advisable for me to freeze my eggs. So when she said that, I burst into tears and I was like, I can't believe I'm 31. We've been in the pandemic for two years. I'm going to baby showers now and I'm being cornered and told like I'm some weirdo that I need to put my eggs in the freezer. And after that, I literally went into like a week long, like depression of just crying. (laughs) I basically listened to the whole 10 episodes of freezing time, which I think you recommended it to me, actually. And I basically came to a conclusion that unless things were not great, I was not going to do that because it sounded pretty horrible, to be honest. And then I decided to book a fertility MOT because I literally could not sleep. So I went to Manchester Fertility Clinic and I paid £305 for a fertility MOT. So basically... They took my bloods and they did a internal ultrasound and they basically check your follicle count. So they're essentially the houses that your eggs live in. So when I went to that, I saw that I had like loads of follicles. I was like, well, unless I've like not been born with eggs, I think I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. So I felt kind of reassured and and they, I mean, it was weird because I felt like it was something that I was doing that's like wild, that I can't believe I've gone for this. And they you know, we're just like, oh, hi, you know, I think everybody who's 30 should, you know, do it. We call it family planning for a reason, because, you know, you should be planning for the future. And you need to know, like, your kind of trajectory. 
So they said, right, we're going to give you your results in a week. I think it was about nine days the results took. So the results actually coincided with the first day of my fitness retreat in Crete. So I remember like, I think I was voice noting you like, right. So I'm sat on my balcony. I'd upgraded my room to the best room that I could have. So I had my own little pool outside overlooking the sea in Crete. I was essentially on a honeymoon with myself and I was about to decide, like, get my fate for the future. And it was via a Zoom chat with a consultant. I guess, I don't know what she would have been called, but like a baby doctor, basically. And told me that everything was great and I was very succulent and fine. And that I should focus my energies on meeting a partner and, you know, um, rather than worrying about getting my eggs in the freezer. She said that there's nothing to worry about. And but she was really like proud of me for coming and like she was really really sweet but she was like I think unless you're in the same position in three years time she was like I don't advocate it for you so I felt that was the start of my fantastic summer and the end of like me feeling like I don't know I just felt like I'd been given like a gift then because I was like wow so when I do date, I'm not dating for a baby daddy. I'm dating because I want to find somebody that is suitable for me, not because I need to have a baby in the next year. So that really slowed down everything in my head. And I felt like, okay, you know what? If I get to 35 and I'm in the same space that I'm in now, which hopefully I won't, but if I am, then okay, then I'll I'll, I'll get my eggs frozen. Like I'll save up between now and then. And I will make that happen. But the fact that I'd like sort of thought about it and then I started to talk about it when I had my results and I knew everything was fine with me. I started to talk about it with people that I saw. So when I'd go to these weddings and like hen parties, I sort of use it as an expander to see what, what, what they were thinking. And it turns out that every girl between the ages of 30 and 35 has thought about egg freezing <laughs> and has thought about fertility and everybody, they just don't talk about it, is thinking about it. And yeah. I have, and then I found that when I started to talk about these really uncomfortable things that people, you know, think of their in their head and don't have the confidence to talk about, I felt that people, I was creating a safe space for new friendships to to confide in me and to get closer to me without even wanting to because I was this girl that they could talk to things about you know yeah um, and and yeah and I became that I think I know and I want to talk about your research projects that you went on at the weddings because I think the <laughs> the listeners will love it but I want I want to just go back to what you were saying and the thing I love about your story and it's something that also happened to me a couple of years ago was that you took control you know, not, yes. and I want to say this to everyone listening, not everybody wants to become a mum and not everybody is worried about it. You know, there's some people who know that they don't want to, and there's some people who are fa- happy to just let things play out. But there are a group of women like us who it does bother them and it was something on their minds and it's something that they want to check. And I think I love about your story is that you took it into your own hands. You know, that was a, the circumstance of that woman, your, your mum's friend telling you, you know, that thing that she told you could have just made you, it sent you on the downward spiral and then you could have just stayed in that place. But I think you were able to shift out of it because you knew you had control. You knew you had the power. You weren't in victim mentality. Like maybe for a week, you were a little bit, you know, with the boohoos. And then afterwards you were like, okay, great. I'm going to take control. And I love that you did it. And I know as well, you know, not everybody will also get the good results. Some people won't have such good fertility levels, but then you can do something about it. And I'm a huge advocate for it. And I used to kind of pussyfoot around this topic a bit because that's what everyone does. And just like you said, all of a sudden, when you started creating a safe space for people, you understood how many people are going through it, but it's taboo still. And I think it's taboo because even now speaking on the podcast, I'm like, yeah, there are going to be some people who will get negative results and then maybe they won't want to know. No, absolutely not. It's family planning. If you know that your egg count is decreased or you have problems then you can do something about it or you can at least know and start saving and start you know asking for help and all of those things so I really love that part of your story I think it's really important that you didn't just sit and wait which so many people do you were in that action phase and it shifted everything for you 
and I'm just so happy that you're you know also really like vulnerable and open to speaking about it on here and with so many other people because we don't speak about it enough yeah and I just think that it's nothing to worry about honestly when you go there it's literally like we all go for smear tests why are we not doing this and also I think you should know the health of your ovaries because they do check for any cysts or you know and you know thankfully everything was great with me but you know if I did have things that weren't looking so great then there might be you know different options and and they look at the shape of everything and you know and you should know this type of thing because you're just born and then you know when you're 12 you start your periods and you hope that you know you're going to you know be okay but you just don't know if you are yeah of course so I I mean I'm a huge advocate for it I think knowledge is power and if you get to know your own body then nothing bad can come from that I don't know which direction to go in because I kind of want you to carry on chronologically what happened after this because you had this amazing time on the retreat because you shifted and something in your energy shifted and then you went on to have this really good summer. I I want to know why the summer was so good but also how coaching and how your ability to like access your thoughts and understand yourself more to a deeper level and have more awareness helped you in this space to be able to enjoy so much after you weren't in that space before? So I think by the time I went on this fitness retreat, I was seven months into coaching with you. And by that period, you really are in like full bird's eye view mode of yourself and your life. And I don't know, I just became like really intrigued. I've always been a very intrigued person like my degrees in public relations like I've always loved documentaries I always like what observing other people like I'm very fascinated by humans but I became fascinated by myself and my behavior and how I interact with others and yeah I guess like every week I would check in with you and you give me a bit of we talk about some scenario and then you'd give me a bit of homework like you know go and talk to somebody about x y and z and we called it expander so for example after Crete retreat then it was my birthday this is quite funny actually so just went for lunch with my friends for my birthday uh, and one of my best friends who's not single said let's go so there's the Thursday dating event so I was like, let's go to one of those. So I took my non-single friend to a Thursday dating event on my birthday. And we had an absolutely hilarious time. And it just continued from there. And then I was a bridesmaid again in St. Ives for another one of my great friends. And rather than feeling like miserable that I was the one that wasn't getting married and it wasn't I started to just feel so happy that I was able to be their bridesmaid and able to watch them do it and that they and also like you taught us the pie theory and stuff that you know if they've done it why can't I have that you know why rather than looking like them jealous I was looking and thinking how great it is and And I stopped having like, I remember when I went to like the first wedding after the pandemic, I felt like I had to have a bit of a monologue why I was single, why I hadn't met the love of my life. I felt like I had to rehearse it. And by this stage, I just felt like at that St. Ives party, there was two single guys there and I couldn't decide which one I fancied. So after the night ended, I remember watching the stars with a desperado on the beach. And I said, both of them come with me, you know, let's let's, <laughs> let's chat, you know, <laughs> like, why not? I just, yeah, just started. And my motto for the whole summer was that I'm living, you know, because I always think I've lived, but I've never really 100% enjoyed my life. And I f- full on believe that I've like enjoyed my life this summer anyway. And like, then I was bridesmaid again, Um, that's the running running theme yeah I was bridesmaid again so then after wait so after St Ives then I went to Marbella with my family on a family holiday which I would usually find very triggering because it would be like a enclosed space where they could basically cross-examine me for 10 days so I actually didn't book a return flight because I wasn't sure I said to my parents and my sister was going with the two boys like, no offense to you, you've got a, you know, a five-month-old baby and a three-year-old. I'm not sure how long I'm going to want to spend with you guys. So I'm just going to 
see how things go. Anyway, I had such a great time that I stayed for the whole 10 days. And I actually was sad to go home, which, and we didn't have one crossword. And I think, you know what, when you feel happy and in control of your life, then you don't give the people the space to sort of start analysing you and, you know, cross-examining you. And and when people did do ask me questions, I don't feel that I need to attack them anymore and, and be like, you know, because there, I know there's nothing wrong with me and I know that I'm just on my path and, you know, and this is, you know, part of me and that, you know, I've had to get to this to be able to move forward. And I wasn't probably emotionally developed enough to have the kind of relationship that I'm looking for and that I deserve and I think that everybody's got a certain amount of growing to do albeit we all do it at different stages and you know I've had to to go this way around but we all get to where we want to be in the end I believe and I still like I think there's love around every corner like you hear about like you know, widows that are 75 finding love. So why wouldn't I find it? And then I became a bridesmaid again. Well, I want to, I want to, I want to stop here. Well, I want to hear the rest of the the story, Mm -hmm. but I want to say, I think the biggest shift here, and I want everyone who, who's like resonating with the person that you were before, right? The way that you approached everything before is you had a shift in energy, okay? And when you have that shift in energy and you even said it in your own words, it's something about you took control and you like wanted to be happy, everyone else didn't change. Maybe some people change, maybe some people were in therapy or coaching or whatever, but all those people around you, your family, random guests at the wedding, those random guys from St. Ives, all of your friends, they were all on their journeys. And think about how different you were at the weddings pre-coaching or pre this journey that you've been on in the past year. And like you said, you would have to rehearse these monologues and you felt like people were probably triggering you because they were asking you why you're single and all those things. And then when you came at it, you know, eight, nine months later in a different mindset, how differently do people respond to you? Because you create the energy. And this is something I teach all my clients is that if you go into a social interaction and you're embarrassed or you're, I call it energy leaks, you're leaking that energy of like feeling upset or feeling frustrated or feeling down or feeling sad about your relationship status or even your career or whatever it is, other people feed off that energy. And then what will happen is they're going to reinforce all the negative beliefs that you have about yourself. But when you have positive energy, then you're going to inspire other people. And I want to say, because we didn't actually define it, is that Nat's used a lot the word expander. And this is also something from our from our coaching journey together that I know is a really big thing. And I wanted to define what it is for those of you who don't know. So when I use the word expander, it's actually a manifestation term. What it means is that you expand your mind to go and find evidence of the thing that you want or the thing that you want to believe is possible. So for example, and I know it was a huge thing for you, is that in your mind, like from your life, from your the community that you grew up in, from the people around you, being 31, 32 and single was like, you know, oh my God, big deal. You have to find someone right now. And we worked a lot in finding evidence that there are so many people like me as an example, who are single, who are older than you or your age, who are enjoying life and loving life. And I love in your story that I know that you went on the research projects when you were away at the weddings being on the bridesmaids is that you wanted to expand your mind to the other things around that. And maybe you can share a little bit about what you found because we called it your research project, but you obviously a very curious (laughs) person and you came back with all these findings that a year ago, you had no idea that this existed. You genuinely believed, right? That like, that was it. People who were happy were in a relationship and married and settled down and everyone else was kind of, you know, fucked for want of of a better term. I really did believe that. I really felt like, you know what, you know, if you don't find love at 30, then you're going to be a miserable spinster, which is so, I just actually want to shake my old self because that is so terrible. Um, anyway. So many so many people think it. You're not the only one. Like I hear it time and time again. It's, it's something that's so many people space to be in. Just don't bother being there. <laughs> so anyway, um, I became a, another bridesmaid, surprisingly. So I'm like 27 dresses. I've had lovely dresses. So this one was in Bodrum. And this was a particularly 
close friend of mine and she's like a sister to me so she's actually three years older than me and she herself was a huge expander for me as well because she'd been on her own self-development journey a couple of years previously and in the pandemic she was in a really dark place and then she went and had this amazing summer and then in the October I think she was in the gym she spotted this hottie and basically that was the that was the start of it all and by the following year they were engaged and got married the following year so we go to Bodrum for this beautiful wedding and they had a series of wedding events so the girl that was getting married her husband is 12 years older than her and he had been married before so Emma and I did a huge kind of coaching series on people that have been divorced because I had a bit of a phobia about dating guys that had been divorced and it was a real belief in me that if you've been divorced you know you're basically terrible at relationships and you're not going to be a good person for me, which is also not true because people who have been divorced are probably most likely to have looked at themselves and done some work as to why it didn't work out. And they're probably the most likely to be a better human and be a better candidate. So that was in itself, you know, seeing that my friend who's, you know, first time getting married, you know, she's fresh, was marrying a guy that had been divorced. That was a big expander for me. And when we went on this trip, his friends, obviously with him being late 40s, his friendship circle were in their 40s. So I took it upon myself to talk to everybody. And I met this lovely 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 girl who was just so nice and basically she got to 40 and she hadn't met anybody she'd never had a serious boyfriend and she was 40 so this one that she's with the guy that she's with now it was her first serious boyfriend and basically when she met him within the year she she suddenly had this urgency to become a mother she thought that that's that wasn't going to be for her and basically you know she went to go and get tests and things with her being approaching 42 and it was decided that she should go down at IVF because they didn't really have time on their hands to you know try for a year or whatever anyway she was 45 on this holiday and she was there with her I think he was about 14 months, a little boy, uh, with a little boy. And she's coming up to her 46th birthday. Now, that is wild for me because I'm at this stage, you know, 32 now. And I'm thinking, wow, you're like 10 years plus ahead of me. And you've only just popped a kid out. And, And she looked great. And, you know, if you're 46 and you look after yourself, you know, you don't need to look 46 she looked like 35 she looked great so that was an amazing expander for me to see that you know people again find happiness and can have children later on in life and then I spoke to a few other people that had got divorced and were single parents and they had no regrets about what what they had done and basically the moral of the story that I found well I came to a conclusion was that everybody's happy anyway and that there's happiness in every decade of your life and it doesn't matter what position you're in or what card you dealt it's up to you if you decide to be happy because you choose where you want to be and it was it was amazing because I felt like I'd had this wild like six months of just like chatting to everybody and it you know and when I go to my friend's weddings like especially the one in Barbados my friends married a guy who's four years younger than her so I hadn't met older people who were you know further along than I was so I just found it hugely comforting to know that there's people out there you know and that actually most of this wedding party were on the second marriages anyway and that there really is no hurry because you know this girl's popping kids out at 45 so yeah um, and it's so important and I think that this is really what I want to do on the podcast is you know and I, and I have interviewed uh women who do things at all different timelines just to show everybody and to expand everybody that 
we don't all have to have done everything by 30. And, you know, now me and you are on the other side of it, you know, and that's what we, me and Nat used to start our coaching sessions with. Okay, we have a story for each other about somebody that we know who did something later on and did something differently. And that was something that we really enjoyed doing in our sessions together. But it's now you're on the other side of it. It feels like you can't remember the time when you used to think, oh, but everyone does the same thing. But that was a huge thing. I remember for me, when I was 29, it was just unheard of to think, exactly like you said, even to think of that would, somebody would have a baby at 45 was, you know, what? And I went on my own expander research project when I went to Costa Rica after my breakup when I was 33. And I remember coming back with these stories and being like, oh my God, I met this woman who she moved to Costa Rica and she'd given up on love and she was 41. And she walked into this restaurant and met this chef and they're together and she's on her second baby and she's like 47 or something now and she looked so young I thought that she was you know the same age as me so for everyone listening just go on your own research project like this is really what I would say is like a bit of practical advice for everybody if you want to have your best year and break free from this thing that you need to be the same as everybody else that you have to be on the same timeline firstly know that you don't and just like Nat says, everyone's on their own timeline for whatever reason that might be. And secondly, go out and meet people and find evidence, even just looking on Instagram, go and find some evidence that you don't have to have done everything by 30 because you don't. No, you don't. And I and I loved, you know, when we did our coaching, you used to go by the method of accept, reflect and take action. And it's like I accepted where I was at hence why I'd reached out to you and then I started this massive reflection which went on I think my reflection process was like at least like eight months nine months long where I was still like oh (laughs) boohoo and then (laughs) I say like the last five months I've took action and I feel over the course of the past year that I have you know I opened Pandora's box and I've had, I've been very privileged to have a lovely childhood, but everybody still has things that have upset them in their life, albeit it doesn't, it might not be horrendous for other people looking in, but there's a reason why you are like who, why you are, basically. Yeah. I remember you saying that to me. Yeah, because we all come in with our own perceptions, our thoughts are the way that they are for a reason. Our thoughts create our reality, but the thoughts are there because of all the experiences that we've had. And I want to touch on something really important that you just said, because you just said, you know, I come from, I had a really happy childhood or I had a good childhood. And I think there's something that a lot of my clients struggle with is that if you feel privileged, which many people listening are, we are privileged compared to most of the the population, we feel like we can't invest in ourselves. We feel like we should just be happy. And then when we're not happy and we go to the dark places or we go to those, you know, the space where you were in where you didn't feel great. And I've been in that place, you know, before, so before I discover coaching, there's something that holds you back from investing because it's like that I should feel better because I've had a happy childhood or because I'm living in a nice place or because I've got a good job or I've got good friends and my family support me. And I think that that's something that we need to break because I think that it, and you can maybe share like what it was like for you to invest knowing that you know you are you should be okay but so many people worry that it's like selfish in a way like should I go to therapy or get a coach it maybe feels like oh I don't need it it's unnecessary it's like an unnecessary expense but everyone deserves the ability to be supported or reflect I really think it yeah I I do as well and I actually think coming from somebody that I used to like honestly I used to sort of think oh god people that go to therapy like oh god you know I I was one of those people and in all honesty I liked the idea of coaching because it sounds a bit more fluffy and it's less medical and I I I hate you know with like counseling and things like that they they're so quick to diagnose you and be like yep you've got depression here's some pills like no I don't know if anybody here who's listening has watched the new James Arthur. He's basically released something on BBC iPlayer. And it's about him and his life. And he says he's had, you know, quite a lot of things happen to him in his life. But he had to go back to move forward. And that's where I felt that I had to go back to move forward because there was something that was stopping me. And every time I'd get an opportunity, I was messing it up. And... 
I didn't seem to have the that the skills to be able to coach myself through the times that I was uncertain. Whereas now I feel like, you know, obviously I'm not immune to anything. You know, I'm still going to be upset and triggered and things, but I'm a lot better. And I know that, you know, as long as I've got a pen and a paper, if I write down how I'm feeling, you know, after a few days of, of, of journaling, I will, you know, be able to have some kind of answer. And I think that, you know, it's like if you go and buy a personal training session, you know, you're paying, you know, £45 or whatever you pay for PTing. When you are sat on the sofa eating a bag of crisps and a box of chocolates, you're going to think, why did it, do, am I doing this when I've just paid £45? It's a, it's a sub, you know, it's a subconscious thing that you've, as soon as you put a price to something, it's like, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to, I'm going to do something about it. And yeah, and I think that the only way is forward for me now. Like I feel that there's all different stages of coaching. I think initially you do have to look at yourself in the past, but once you've uncovered the past and you feel like you're on the, you know, the, the, the front footing and you're going forward, then, you know, there's loads of, you know, hurdles that way as well. But And and for now, I feel like, you know, I'm going to try and, you know, go alone and see, but I'll, you know, I'll always be a friend of yours and, and let you know, like the, but I feel like I don't need mummying anymore. Like I did. What you're saying is actually what coaching really is. And it's sometimes a little bit different to counseling. Well, it is very different to counseling, but when I, and I always say this to new clients who start with me is that we usually start working together for four months and then we decide if to carry on. And most of my clients carry on for like another six months afterwards, but not everybody. And the aim isn't that I'm going to hold your hand for the rest of your life. The aim is that I give you tools and skills that you can use that you actually can coach yourself through. And that's really what is important with what you just said. For example, you learn how to journal, you learn how to reframe you learn how to look at your thoughts and find evidence for the opposite you learn about expansion you learned about lots of different things and you have like a locker of tools and that's what coaching is and I think that's why sometimes in our sessions especially with the with a group but also in the one-on-one like I'm teaching you concepts and it doesn't really matter what it's related to like you had that example of the person that you were dating when you were doing the group as I can he was almost like a uh a trial run of like how to do something. And then you learned yeah. so much through him. There was so much growth there. And there were so many tools that you like learned with coaching to help cope with that time and everything that happened. So now, like you said, you're going ahead without a coach after a year of, of coaching. Pretty yeah, it's exactly a year that yeah. when you finished. And and I know, and it's like I say this to all of my clients when they finish their coaching journey, like you've got it. You've just learned yeah. all the things. You've been through the, you've been through the craziest year of growth. The results came through. I think that the biggest result which we can have, which you had is to be around your family and to not feel Mm. triggered. I always say this, that's like the family is probably the most triggering thing because it's like the people who are triggering us are part of our childhood and have been with us, you know, our whole lives. When we can show up as the new version of ourselves and let go of their response in that situation, that's the biggest indicator of growth. And you had that. And I feel like that for you this whole summer the shift that you've made has just been so incredible. And I'm absolutely certain 100% that I'll obviously always be here if you do need to carry on, but you don't you don't need me. It's like you were on a bike with stabilizers and now you took the stabilizers off and you're fine. You're going to cycle away. Yeah. And I think, you know, what with, with you, Emma, is that you're a very special person because I feel like you have the ability I mean we connected for very easily but you're able to connect with all different walks of life but creating that safe space to feel that you can talk about even just the silliest things and then like when you talk about it and then you're like a mirror reflecting back and then you think god like I don't actually mean that like why did I say that and then when you you need to I think everybody needs to do coaching for at least like 10 to 12 months you can't you're not going to get anywhere in four months like you're just you're actually gonna just start getting somewhere you need it's like a diet you know like 12 is the magic number you have to do anything for at least 12 weeks to get a habit but really if you've got a substantial weight loss you have to do it for a year you can't just go after 12 weeks 
I mean, I I agree, obviously, but you know, obviously, some people need to dip their toe in, and it's it's what you did as well. Like you started with the group, and then you decided to carry on. We're we're going to finish the episode now, but the last thing I wanted to ask you is what you would say to somebody who is in your position, and like go back maybe and what you say to yourself, you know, the nut of the past who was. 31 who was panicking who felt scared of about your ability to have children in the future who hadn't solo traveled who uh, had never journaled probably and wasn't really into this world if you can imagine that somebody's in that space now listening what would you like them to know I would just say to them that you would waste so much so time is money and you would waste so much time just in your own negative thought patterns that if you equated all of that to what it was for you on an hourly rate it would definitely be a hell of a lot less than putting it into you and actually sort yourself out because you know your future looks very like your past unless you change it so if you're not going to do something about it you know then you're just going to be in the same position next year and the year after and the year after this and you know I am still very much on my own journey, but I am here for the ride and I'm not afraid and I'll take it on like whatever comes my way. And I know that I'll be okay. And I know that I'll get what I want when I, and when I see it, I'll go for it. And now I've got, you know, I've, I've always been an ambitious person in work and a go-getter. I'm not somebody that I'm a goal orientated person. And I think when you can't see tangible things, because it's like life coaching, you know, but you can, if you give it time, it, it, it takes time to cement into you. And then you, you will feel differently and you will feel lighter and you'll enjoy your life more. So I think it's a no brainer. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Just go for it. <laughs> I'm jealous. I want to like, I, I don't want to go through all those like sad boo-hoo times again, but like it is quite a. Uh... <laughs> I always, I say this, I say this to, to, to clients when they're new. I'm like, oh, whenever I sign a new client, I'm like, I'm so jealous that you're about to like have a new life. It's so true. <laughs> yeah, no. And also there's people on our turning 30 course I know we're not allowed really to talk about other people but people do have happy endings in 12 months 100% they really do and we'll be doing a podcast episode me and the person that you're speaking about I love it and I can't wait so yeah yeah. so people you know do turn their life around in 12 months I've turned mine around mentally but you know let's see what the future's got in store lots of exciting things I know I know that for sure. Thank you so much for coming on again and for sharing so vulnerably and eloquently your story. I know that so many people will benefit from it. I hope you like this episode. And if you do, I would appreciate so much if you could go onto the platform that you're listening to me on and give me a five-star rating. You can leave me a review and you could share it with your friends or if you have an audience on social media who you think will be helped by some of the topics that I talk about on here, I would love if you can spread the turning 30 message. Also reminding you that I have two spots left in my coaching program for a January 23 start date and you can book your initial consultation call via the link in my bio. I see you all on the podcast next week. Mm